Hello, and welcome to episode 31 of the Dayson Digest podcast. My name is Melissa Johnson, and I'm an associate professor of medicine at Duke University Medical Center and a liaison clinical pharmacist with Dayson. Today, we are going to discuss the impact on antibiotic prescribing of removing a warning against the use of cephalosporins in patients with penicillin allergy. This was described by Eric Macy and colleagues in the journal JAMA Network Open in April of 2021, and then followed up by a recent paper by Dr. Macy, which was entitled, Why Was There Ever a Warning Not to Use Cephalosporins in the Setting of a Penicillin Allergy? As a reminder, we will post links to both of these papers on our Dayson Digest webpage. First is a little background. As we know, beta-lactams remain preferred agents for a variety of infections, including group A and group B streptococcal infections, Neisseria meningitidis infections, and susceptible Staphylococcus aureus infections. Many prescribers will choose alternative agents when confronted with a history of penicillin allergy. And in many cases, these second-line agents have been shown to be suboptimal. For example, in a large study conducted at Massachusetts General Hospital, use of second-line agents as prophylaxis in patients undergoing surgical procedures was associated with a 50% increased odds of post-operative surgical site infection. This underscores the need to optimize opportunities to administer first-line antibiotics to our patients. As the authors of this paper state, Many electronic health records drive decisions regarding use of antibiotics and avoidance of agents that have potential cross-reactivity. There are a lack of data demonstrating significant immunologic cross-reactivity between penicillins and cephalosporins. And so with this information, in 2017, the Southern California Kaiser Permanente Medical Group removed the automated warning in its electronic health record that had recommended avoiding cephalosporins in penicillin-allergic patients. This study is a retrospective cohort study that evaluated the impact of removing this alert on antibiotic selection, incidence of antibiotic allergies, incidence of cephalosporin anaphylaxis, and the rate of penicillin allergy-associated morbidities in patients with penicillin allergy. They had two sites involved in the study. First, the Kaiser Permanente Southern California site was where the alert was removed. And then they compared this to the Kaiser Permanente Northern California site, where the alert actually remained in place. They then compared antibiotic use and patient outcomes for a two-year period from January 1, 2017 to December 31, 2018. Altogether, these health plans cover more than 9 million patients who receive care at 36 hospitals and 491 outpatient facilities for more than 17,000 physicians in California. In terms of methods, they included all oral and parenteral antibiotic courses that were dispensed or administered to the patients in ambulatory or hospital settings for 12 antibiotic categories. These included penicillins, cephalosporins, and other beta-lactam antibiotics, as well as many other antibiotics. They used any allergy information that had been entered into the electronic health record allergy field to determine the presence of a drug allergy, since this was the trigger for the alert. They did not require confirmation of an IgE-mediated or T-cell-mediated hypersensitivity reaction to classify something as a penicillin allergy at baseline. Basically, they just took anything that had been recorded as an allergy. They defined a new allergy on the basis of a new allergy entry into the electronic health record for the same category of antibiotic within 30 days of an antibiotic prescription. 
Potential occurrences of a cephalosporin-associated anaphylaxis event among patients with a penicillin allergy at baseline were identified through the use of ICD-10 codes that had been recorded on the same day that a course of a parenteral cephalosporin or within one day of the start of an oral cephalosporin course. Any identified cases through this electronic method were then further examined with detailed chart review by the investigators to determine if it met criteria for antibiotic-associated anaphylaxis. Antibiotic treatment was considered a failure if another course of an antibiotic in a different category was started within 30 days of the start of a course of monotherapy. ICD-10 diagnosis codes, as well as results of laboratory tests, were used to identify infections such as C. difficile, MRSA, and VRE. The primary study outcome was the use of the 12 different antibiotic categories over time during the study period. The category of antibiotic use was measured by the change in the probability of cephalosporin use among patients with penicillin allergy at the intervention site after removal of the warning. They constructed a multinomial logistic regression model controlling for the site, time period, for example, before or after the alert, and presence or absence of a penicillin allergy. They control for temporal effects by assessing the change in cephalosporin prescriptions in patients without penicillin allergies, which should have remained unchanged when the alert was removed, and also looked at this at the comparison site to further control for temporal changes in antibiotic use that might have occurred over time. They looked at secondary outcomes, including the incidence of anaphylaxis, new antibiotic allergies, and antibiotic treatment failures. They also assessed all-cause mortality, hospital days, and new infections per person year using regression models and again controlling for the facility site, time period, either before or after the alert, and presence or absence of a penicillin allergy. They also conducted some sensitivity analyses and interactions when varying some of the model inputs for things such as various demographic variables, comorbidities, and presence of other antibiotic allergies. So what did they find? In all, more than 4.2 million patients were included in the study, 2.2 million at the intervention site, and 1.95 million at the comparison site. About 59% were female, with 43% non-Hispanic whites, and a mean age of about 40 years. In the intervention site in Southern California, patients tended to be a bit younger by about a year, with fewer Asians and more Hispanics, than in the Northern California comparison site. But the number of antibiotic treatment courses per patient was similar between the two sites. On average, about 2.5 treatment courses per patient. Remember, this included both inpatient and outpatient prescriptions. There were more than 10 million antibiotic courses included in the analysis, of which 18% were parenteral and 12% were dispensed or administered to patients with a documented penicillin allergy. At the intervention site, overall cephalosporin use increased among patients with a penicillin allergy from 17.9% before removal of the alert to 27% after removal of the alert. Use of some of the other antibiotic classes declined accordingly. Specifically, the models showed that there was a 51% increase in cephalosporin use among patients with penicillin allergy at the intervention site when compared with the likelihood of receipt of a cephalosporin in those without a penicillin allergy or those at the comparison site. At the comparison site, use of cephalosporins changed only slightly during this time frame. 
from 15.3% to 16.2% of treatment courses, and use of other categories was basically unchanged. There were no statistically significant differences in the two sites in the rate of anaphylaxis among patients with penicillin allergies who received the cephalosporin. There was also no difference in new allergies to other antibiotic classes, antibiotic treatment failures, all-cause mortality, hospital days, or incidents of new infections after the alert was removed. However, it was noted that specifically in patients with penicillin allergies, these patients were more likely to have a new allergy to other antibiotic classes reported, as well as antibiotic treatment failure. This has been reported in other studies as well. But at the intervention site, patients with penicillin allergies that received a cephalosporin had a similar rate of a new reported cephalosporin allergy, only about 1% in the time period before and after removal of the alert. So what are some pros or strengths of this study? First is large size and diversity of the population included, the fact that it was inpatient and outpatient, and they did pretty good sensitivity analyses to look at controlling for many other factors. The authors also point out that this study demonstrates the removal of the alert for potential cross-reactivity of cephalosporins in patients with penicillin allergies was a simple and straightforward intervention to increase the use of first-line agents for appropriate indications in their facilities. In terms of limitations, we have to remember that this was a retrospective analysis, and I wonder a little bit about the generalizability of it. Do patients in California report penicillin or other drug allergies more frequently than anywhere else, or are they any different than patients anywhere else? The reported penicillin allergy rate was about 12%. That seems fairly standard and consistent with other sites. We could also wonder if there were unmeasured confounders that may have biased this analysis. And the 95% confidence intervals that were reported for the secondary outcomes were pretty wide, suggesting that there could have been changes in these patient outcomes that were not detected here. In addition, one of the things I've noticed in the side chain charts is that cephalexin has a similar side chain to several penicillins, such as ampicillin. I was interested to see if the authors commented on this in the paper, but they did not. Patients in the study most commonly received first-generation cephalosporins like cephalexin, so I would have expected some of it was cephalexin, but they did not specifically address this anywhere in the paper. Based on available literature, there does not necessarily appear to be an absolute contraindication to administer cephalexin to a patient with a history of penicillin allergy, but this again remains an area where we may need additional data. Generally speaking, the study did not specifically identify those with a history of penicillin anaphylaxis and differentiate that from any other kind of reaction that may have been reported as a penicillin allergy at baseline in the medical record. This did not seem to lead to overt increases in allergic reactions, but it's unclear how many of those people would have received a cephalosporin in the study, so these data should be interpreted accordingly. In summary, this paper demonstrated that removal of an alert that warrants against use of cephalosporins in patients with penicillin allergies led to increased use of cephalosporins in this population without apparent adverse events. It is important to note that this study, like others, identified a higher rate of other drug allergies in patients with penicillin allergies, and this is not unique to cephalosporins. Other studies have suggested that cephalosporin-associated anaphylaxis is a rare event that is not more likely to occur in those with a penicillin allergy. So this is something for us to consider. 
On the basis of the available evidence, the lead author, Dr. Eric Macy, has advocated for aggressive pursuit of penicillin allergy delabeling and avoiding the use of cephalosporins only in the case of readministration of that specific cephalosporin after an allergic reaction to that same agent, not necessarily applying penicillin allergy as a contraindication to administration of a cephalosporin later. It is still not clear if the use of beta-lactams of similar side chains is truly contraindicated after an allergic reaction to an agent with that same side chain. This appears to be an evolving area where additional data are needed, but some data would suggest that we might even be able to use agents with similar side chains. For now, many have incorporated assessing these side chains in their algorithms or clinical practice, but maybe that is something that will go by the wayside with data from additional studies. We look forward to working with you through DASON to explore how to incorporate penicillin allergy assessment into your workflows and optimize use of antibiotics in patients with a history of penicillin allergies. So on behalf of all the DASON staff, I'd like to thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Just as a reminder, the links to the papers mentioned will be posted on our website, and we hope you check it out and come back in two weeks for our next DASON Digest. 